you don't get promoted, promote yourself. Go apply to other jobs. Go apply to the next step in your career. Start finding a way and an approach to get there. If you're, if it's not going to go within your company or your department, what are some other strategies that will get you there? Hello and welcome to Job Speakers, a labor of love podcast devoted to jobs and journeys with guests from all walks of life who have valuable information to convey, fascinating stories to tell, and priceless advice to share. My name is Robert Hendrickson. I'm thrilled you decided to spend some of your time today listening to the podcast. If you're new to Job Speakers, take a look at our catalog on jobspeakers.com. What you will find are 51 straight weekly consecutive guests representing a really wide range of jobs with each of those people being inherently interesting, I am biased, and more than willing to share uh, their lessons, their advice, and the stories that have shaped their careers and their lives. Speaking of shaping careers, our guest this week, Claudia Miller, does that for a living. She is a career coach and offers a whole broad range of services to help people set and achieve career objectives through diligent planning, practice, research, and an overall discipline with a big boost of confidence that I'm sure Claudia throws in for good measure. I hope you enjoy the episode, and please stick around until the end when I'll tell you about our next guest, who, interestingly enough, does something Claudia tried earlier in her career and hated. Again, enjoy the episode. Claudia, good afternoon. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Rob. What do you do for a living, Claudia? I am a career coach for career-driven women. What I know about career coaches is that everyone may or may not do the same services. Can you summarize, start with the services, what what you provide? And then I'd like to know a little bit more about your customer segmentation uh, for, for women. So go ahead. Yeah, of course. So, I mean, like you said, career coaches, they have different skill sets. They have different approaches. So you want to make sure like what whatever career coach you're working with, it aligns with what you're trying to do. So, for example, for me, um, I help clients with resume cover letter writing, LinkedIn optimization, helping them rebrand for the roles they want, um, interview coaching, salary negotiation, career strategy, or career mapping. So, for example, some clients will say, hey, by the way, um, I'm a sole contributor. I'm really looking to pivot into management. Um, And eventually, I think I want to go into like chief marketing officer. I just don't know how to get started or what company should I go into that can really help me get to that role in the next 10 to 15 years. Um, And then I work with them backwards to identify, all right, here are the next two to three roles. It looks like you can be a CMO in the next 10 to 15 years. And here are the next roles you need to get. And here's the skill sets and qualifications you need to get there. So you have about 10 years to start building up those skills. So that way, when the time does come, you're ready for that CMO role. I got it. So let's say I needed your help. What would the process look like? Is there a sort of engagement you know, document that talks about, hey, I want these things from the menu? How does that process uh, work in terms of what someone signs up for and then how you adjust your services to meet that? Yeah, so what I do with clients or potential clients um, is get on a 30-minute career strategy call with them. And I just ask you questions. I'll say, Rob, what prompted you to seek a career coach or a resume writer? And you know, you might say, well, you know, I've been in this role for now three to five years and I'm ready for the next step. 
or I hate my job and I think I work in a toxic environment. I don't know if I am, you know, should I continue in this role uh, or do I just hate this role because of my company? I don't know what that looks like. Um, or, you know, I've been in sales now for a few years and honestly, I want to go into marketing. I don't want to do sales anymore. Um, so whatever the situation is, I, you know, I ask more questions, you know, is this the first step in your job search process? Have you already started interviewing or have you already started applying to jobs? And the data tells me a lot. So for example, I've had clients with they'll say, hey, I've applied to about 100 jobs and I've had one interview. And I'll say, Rob, you need help with your resume. I don't, I don't need to see your resume. The data just shows 100, you apply to 100 jobs and you have one interview. You need help with your resume. It's either the rebranding or you're not getting past the computer system. It could be a version of both or your resume might be too generic and cliche and it's not standing out from the competition. So that data tells me a lot of that information. But if you were to say, I applied to 10 jobs and I had six interviews, I'll say, Rob, you don't need help with your resume. How are your interviews going along? Do you even make it past your first round? Oh, no, I never make it past the first phone call. All right. Well, you are clearly setting off red flags to the HR person um, that you're not even getting past the screening call. You're not even getting to the hiring manager at this point. So let's work on those interviewing skills and see what that looks like. It could also be, hey, I make it to the last round, but I never get the job offer. I always get passed up. I'm always one of the top two candidates, but never get that offer. Or I keep getting job offers, but the salary is too low. So if it's a salary negotiation, then I'm like, well, did you know what the salary was for this role? How far off are we from that number? Um, let me look at your resume and LinkedIn because the branding really makes a difference. Um, I've had clients make $30,000, $50,000 salary increases um, and even get job offers above the salary range. But again, we've worked really hard on the branding, making them one of the top candidates throughout the whole entire process that um, when it does come to that offer side, they're the number one candidate. Like they, the hiring managers want to hire them as soon as possible. So they'll say, Rob, you're great. We want to, you know, want to extend an offer. I know we said originally, um, you know, we wanted to offer up to 120,000, but we're going to offer you 135,000. So then we work on through other strategies and what else can you negotiate besides the salary if it's already surpasses what you're looking for. So it's a little bit a la carte, right? And then yes. do you sort of have fixed fees for each of those or is it really flexible based on how much effort it will take you to help someone? So for resume writing can range anywhere between 499 till 799. Depends on the level of complexity, your years of experience, um, if you know how long, you know, how complicated, if you have a really, you know, interesting scenario where, you know, you've been out of work for 10 years, maybe you're a stay-at-home mom, you want to go join the back the workforce. Um, and then we have to look back into the data and like a lot of this information we do research on then um, it really depends. Of course, if you're a recent grad, it'll probably be on the um, you know, lower end, um, as opposed to when you're an executive with 30 years of experience, you know, we're, we have to do a lot of work of condensing 30 years into like one or two pages. So that'll depend. Um, as far as career coaching, um, it's one of the signature programs that I have right now, and it's um, it takes 90 days to go through it. But within 90 days, you'll know exactly what, you know, if you're going to be able to achieve that dream job you want in the next 10 to 15 years. 
Um, if that's going to be possible, you'll have an understanding. What are your two to three roles to get there? What qualifications you need? Do you really need an MBA or should you be focusing more on certifications? Um, you'll start building that network that'll get you the jobs you want. You'll know how to do company research. So that way you go into companies knowing that it's a healthy company. And what I mean healthy is, you know, have they done rounds of layoffs? Or when you go into this role, they're going to be, maybe they laid off 10 people and now you're applying for this role and they expect you to do the job of three to five people. um, And you're already behind schedule and you're not going to provide you any additional resources and you haven't even had your first day of work. So like that information, I show you how to do a lot of this research. Um, and then starting to go, like, what salary range should you look into? And then, of course, how to interview. So you stand out through the comp- throughout the interviews, you stand out from the competition, and you're able to uncover any challenges or obstacles that may be preventing you from, you know, getting that job offer. When you summarized your, your current role, the, the last part suggested that you focus your services for women in the workforce. Is that a fair statement? Yes. Um, so recently, I mean, I've worked with uh, male clients as well, but um, one of the things that I've realized is I, I feel like it's my calling, and I know it sounds very cliche, like, but, you know, one of the things that I feel and one of my mission models that I, you know, I really truly believe is when you empower women, you empower the household and you create safe homes. Um, and that's something I want to continue doing as my mission is helping women get the jobs they want, get those salary increases, finally get paid like a man. Um, and then when women have options and we increase their income, you know, they tend to pass that to the next generation. And I want to make sure that I have a, even a very tiny, small part of doing that and creating safe households for, you know, our upcoming, upcoming generations. I'm new to Instagram, relatively speaking. I have the help from some really cool younger nieces. And by virtue of my podcast, you know, it just tends to have been the case that my followers, which aren't that great in number, tend to be in the same space you're in. As I look at their posts and as I think about what you uh, described as what you do, uh, here's my question. Is there any sort of accreditation in the career coaching field that allows someone maybe more serious about it? to do that, that plan of study or to have something that shows they've taken the extra step and done the extra work? Or is it still in the early stages where really you almost don't know what you're getting unless you have the experience with the person first? There's many different ways. So there are you know, accreditation certifications you can go into. Um, they tend to be more like strengths finder if you want to get certified on that, figuring out people's strengths. Maybe um, you mentioned career coaches offer different services. So if, if I were to get a client saying, Claudia, I have no idea what I want to do. I don't, I don't know what my passion is. And I want to be able to find myself and to find my true calling that I won't be able to help you with. <laughs> um, that's not my expertise. I would probably re- refer you to a counterpart that can do that. For me, it's more clients of saying, I know where I want to do, or I know what I don't want to do. And eventually I like marketing, or I like sales, or I'm an extrovert, or I'm an introvert, and I like to stay within engineering. And then from there on, we can create a strategy around it. But helping you find your true life's purpose and your mission, that's not my expertise. But I know there's some certifications out there, accreditations you can get. But, you know, for some of your listeners that may be thinking of working with a career coach, uh, what I would say is ask them, like, what are their results? What are some of the client testimonials? 
Um, I unfortunately haven't come across a few people where they call themselves career coaches or they provide career services, but not once have they ever even interviewed for a job. They've never even been promoted. They, you know, fix your resume and they can't guarantee, you know, getting interviews. Um, they've never had someone get a job offer like at an Amazon or Google. So I would, you know, if I were a person seeking career services, I would ask, can you tell me a little bit more about, you know, what is your success rate? What does success look like? How do you measure success? Can you tell me a little bit more about some of the clients that you worked with um, that may be similar to my background or my industry that I'm interested in going into? And that can tell you a lot. Now, I myself don't have any certifications or accreditation, um, you know, but I've kind of had to navigate this on my own because I wanted, you know, those $30,000 salary increases when I was working as a professional. I wanted to get promoted. I wanted to get seen and, you know, picked by the CEO for special projects. And it took me three to four years to do it on my own. But I, you know, hired career coaches. I hired resume writers. I bought courses and I spent thousands of dollars and three to four years trying to figure it out that I finally was able to crack the code um, on how to be able to get jobs, you know, successfully in any type of job you want at any company. Um, and I have results to showcase for that. I have clients, you know, getting job offers at Spotify, Hulu, Netflix, Amazon, smaller companies, you know, those unicorn mid-sized companies as well, and, you know, get up to $50,000 in salary increases. And I can show that multiple times across many clients, across many different backgrounds and industries. When you're advising a, a client and, and trying to help, I guess it would be her, um, you know, take that next step. When you think about where the, where the issues have, have resided up to that point, how much of it would you describe as being a process-based issue versus a personality-based issue? And when I say personality, I don't mean inherent to who you are in your soul. I mean, your ability to communicate, your ability to engage with someone, build trust. So, right, the process would be more around the steps you take to do something. The personality would be, you know, who, who are you? How do you act? How do you behave? How do you come off to others? What, what's the, if you were to ratio that for me, where would you say the, the, the issue areas tend to be? And then I want to follow up with a quick, um, question related some of those larger mistakes specifically that you see, but maybe start with the process versus the personality. Yeah, I would say 60% process, 40% personality. And by personality, it's really comes to like, are they able to sell themselves? They'll say, well, I have Claudia, I have no big achievements that I've done. You know, I just going to work and I don't think I do anything important or anything worth talking about or showing off and or tweeting my own horn. And once I start talking with them um, and I can get from an outside perspective, I'll say, Rob, what you're doing is a job of two to three people. I don't know if you know this, but a lot of people in your role actually don't do what you just told me to do. They only do a fraction of it. Now, you, you know, now we can say position you as, you know, you're a professional or a leader in your industry that you have a background in all these three different areas. And here's how we're going to sell it or here's how we're going to quantify it. A lot of people think that they can't quantify their achievements, but I beg to differ. In marketing, you can say, you know, I created a marketing asset or I worked on a career strategy or I managed a social media where I took our social media platform from 300 followers to 5,000. Or they might say, I created marketing asset leads um, 
or um, lead generation strategies that now we're getting around 300 leads a month, but on average, we convert you know, 30% and each contract is averaging at 5,000. So everything you can quantify, even if you are a projects or engineering and you manage multiple things like, okay, well, how many project requests do you typically get? Then we can say, you manage over 500 requests on an annual basis, ranging from you know, project management to user functions and updates and you know, all these things. And on average, it takes anywhere between three to six months to get these projects completed on time and on budget without very, with very minimal errors or um, hiccups happening with the process. So every, a lot of things can be quantified. It's just having that person help you see it because when you're working day in and day out, and sometimes for years at this point, you think what you do is nothing special. It's very mundane. Everybody should know this. Um, but when you step out into the workforce and you look outside, you'd be surprised how much of what you know a lot of people don't know or it takes two to three people to do. So that's what I would say. Like That's from like the personality base and process. People just don't have a process. They just play by ear. They wing it. They get an interview, then... They'll probably have the interview two to three days, and then maybe they'll, you know, start prepping for it. Look at the company website, maybe look at Glassdoor reviews, and start reviewing their resume, and then that's it. So, job searching in order to do it the right way and to get you the money and income that you're looking for, it takes a lot more work than that. And I would say about at least four to six weeks work worth of work before you actually even need to start the interview process. The next question. Is, is one I'd like you just to summarize for me, kind of crystallize. What are the three biggest mistakes people make when it comes to managing their career? Um, they take a passive approach. They'll say, you know, I got this job as an intern right out of college. Now it's been 10 years and I don't even know if I want to continue doing this. And I didn't even go to college for this or, you know, so it's very passive. Um, okay. Or they'll say, you know, I'm, you know, I hate my job and I hate my company. My boss won't promote me. And I'll ask, well, how long has it been since, you know, you've been passed up for promotions? Some of them have even said it's been three to five years. I've been passed up three times. And I, and I usually tell them, well, why didn't you leave after the first time? Then you can leave. You don't have to stay and wait for the rest of your life to get promoted. If you don't get promoted, promote yourself. Go apply to other jobs. Go apply to the next step in your career. Start finding a way and an approach to get there. If you're, if it's not going to go within your company or your department, what are some other strategies that will get you there? So the one is people are too passive with their careers. Two, um, they don't prepare. Like I said, they'll just wing it. They hope that once they get to the interview, they get there, they'll know what to say. And they never do. <laughs> it comes out as a very generic response or questions that they ask. There's no real research behind it. Nothing that's really going to captivate the attention or stand out from like six, seven other applicants. And three is people just tend to do the same thing over and over again. If you know, like I said, I've had clients with, they'll tell me, Claudia, I've been job searching for almost over a year at this point, maybe two years. I've applied to 300 jobs and I haven't gotten an interview or a job offer yet. 300. After the 20, 30 applications, and if I didn't get an interview, I would say there's something going on. I need to hire a professional. I don't have time to be applying to 300 jobs, even if you're unemployed. Um, you know, every month that passes by, that's, you know, one month less having that income. And, Having that stress and that burden, the longer you are in unemployment, the 
lower your confidence goes because you'll think, well, I've been out of work now for six months. What are they going to think of me? They're going to think I'm not qualified enough and you start getting into your head. So, uh, you know, that's one of the things that I, you know, three things that I've seen the biggest mistakes with job seekers. You're really good at and get excited by rightfully the results you've been able to achieve for your clients and for yourself as you grow this business. I think you told me uh, before today that you've been doing this for about five years. I'd like to ask this question because right now people are hearing all the good stuff. <laughs> tell, tell us a little bit about maybe a challenge, a personal challenge, maybe a failure, something where maybe it didn't go so well and perhaps what you learn from it as you're dealing with humans who are not very predictable. Yeah. So I just recently worked with a client where, um, you know, she was able to get in, we were able to secure her an interview and she was competing against around 1400 applicants. Um, and they were going to be interviewing 14 people. Um, that's usually rare. Usually it's like five to seven, maybe 10 at most, but even that's too much. So she, we were able to get her an interview, um, secured it before they even started calling people for interviews. So she was able to stand out, got the interview, we're prepping. Um, and, you know, she, I can tell it's, I can do so much work, but I can't speak for you. I can't do the whole, entire research for, I can't do the interview for you. And one of the things that for her was, it was confidence. Um, you know, I made her create a list of achievements all the things she actually had a really great impressive background but to her she just you know she's just one of many right um because she's been surrounded working with these great companies so all of a sudden so she thinks everyone is as accomplished as her has great achievements and not everyone does she actually does have a really impressive background and you know i had her make a list of achievements she ended up not doing it and you know when i was talking to her i'm like what is it that you're worried about she's like oh i feel like i'm not good enough i feel like they're already I'm not going to get the job. And I looked at the other, some of the candidates, or I had an idea. Everyone's so much more qualified than I am. And she was already positioning herself to fail. And I was trying to get her out of that mindset. Like, look, you have a really good background. Trust me. Like I would, if you didn't have a good background, I would say maybe we should look and apply to other jobs that are more in line with what you're great at. Um, and, you know, I'll say it in a nicer way, more strategically and, you know, to help them navigate. But she was more than qualified for this role. She actually had a lot of assets that she could bring into this role as well. Uh, but she already discounted herself. She already had said, like, even though she secured an interview, she in her mind, she already didn't get the interview. We try to work on confidence and mindset work and she just didn't do the work at that point. And, you know, one of the things I hope, I wish that I could have helped her. I wish I could have, you know, put her out of that rut that she had been now. Um, and currently, thankfully she's employed. So it's not like she's been unemployed, but I know people that are in that situation and the best I can do, but that still won't be enough. Like at the end of the day, my clients need to do the work. Sometimes it's uncomfortable. Um, you know, I do, you and I, I'm sure a lot of us are humans and we do things that are very uncomfortable. Um, I personally hate listening to my voice <laughs> um, as many people do. I'm sure like I hate, you know, seeing myself on TV or I hate listening to my voice, but here I am, you know, doing a podcast. I host my own podcast and I go, I show up day in and day out, whether it makes me uncomfortable or I'm scared or nervous or fearful. Um, and I just address those emotions and I'll say, all right. And then we continue. Like, I don't care if I'm scared or if I'm comfortable, 
I continue working through it. And again, I can't do the work for them. I can show them the strategy. I can show them the, you know, like the success playbook plan that will get them there, get them those salary increases, get them that job, break into that industry, but I just can't do the work for them. So that's probably one of my, um, you know, recent situations that I've been with a client where I just wasn't able to help them because they weren't able, they weren't willing to do the work for it. Did you learn anything from that experience that would change your approach next time? Yeah. So now is um, I try to get a better assessment of my clients or when I get on a call with them. So it's understanding more of what is their mindset? What is their confidence level? So instead of, you know, I ask me like, you know, what, what are you currently doing? Where, what step in the job search process? How long have you been job searching? How many jobs have you applied to? How many interviews? What are you looking for your next role? And now I ask, you know, what is preventing you from getting to the next step? What is preventing you from getting to that next role? And if they say something like, I know I'm not good enough, um, you know, I would probably recommend like, you might need to work with a therapist. Um, it might be so many underlying things that I just can't help you. So I've added that with my process to make sure that, you know, my goal is to make sure I get every single client to get those jobs, get those salary increases um, and have success because it is my business and it is my brand. And that's how I define my success by my clients getting those jobs and, you know, offers and everything. Um, so I'm doing, I'm trying to do a better job on how to better understand that. And then working with clients that are ready to work with me, not just any person, because as I mentioned before, not everyone's ready to, for that next step. Let's shift gears a little. You've talked a lot about your business. And like I said, you're very good at explaining what, what all, all the good things that can happen. Um, if everyone does what they're supposed to. Now I want to, you to put your business aside and I want to focus on Claudia and okay. your, in your path, take us back to, um, this is always fun for me, uh, to what you wanted to do when you grew up, which is a funny statement. Cause I don't know that, that we all grow up even when we're older and in, in summary fashion, help us understand the kind of key points and, and, and sort of landing areas you occupied that led you to doing this over the last several years? I'll give you the spark notes version of it. <laughs> but growing up, um, I actually wanted to be a spy. I don't know why. I think I watched too much Jackie Chan spy movies. Um, I have a lot of anxiety, like heights and everything. Like my palms just get sweaty. <laughs> I probably would have been one of the worst spies out there and probably been fired really quickly. Um, but that's what I was when I was a child. Um, then, you know, during high school, um, you know, my high school actually had different programs and um, I was like a total nerd uh, and I'm proud of it. I was in the math league. I was in the academic decathlon, National Honor Society, um, and I started taking architecture classes and that ended up being like my high school concentration. And I actually ended up interning with Frank Lloyd Wright's grandson. Um, I worn a few of awards. I got internships and I thought I was going to want to be an architect. Um, and I went to UIC originally, University of Illinois at Chicago as an architect student. And once I started interning and doing the classes, I realized I hated it. I was only doing it because of the title and prestige. My mom, you know, I was the first one in my family to graduate high school, let alone college. And then now I have my master's degree, but when I told my mom, you know, mom, like, I want to be an architect. All of a sudden she would glow up and people, you know, adults that were asking, like, what do you want to be? I want to be an architect. Like, oh, wow. Like, that's amazing. We're, there's a lot of prestige around it. And I think that's really why I chose it. And 
they offer courses and why not like incomes well. And that's what I, you know, did in college. And I realized after my first semester that I hated it. I'm an extrovert. And, you know, when you're an architect, you're usually in a corner working on drawings. You don't always get to actually work with clients at all. And I was miserable. And I had a mentor who told me, like, why do you want to be an architect? And I think he could tell that I, I, I was good at it. I won awards and everything, but I, my heart wasn't in there. Like, once I was done, I wanted to get out of there. I wasn't trying to put in extra time or learn really anything extra. It's just like, let me in and out. And he said, if you really want to be an art, or if you want to earn as much as an architect, you can actually become a truck driver. You make as much money as an architect and you have more freedom. <laughs> So that's when I reassessed and I said, I need to do, I need to focus on something else. I don't want to continue going into this route because I'm going to be miserable. I'm currently not happy and it's just not meant for me. So God switched to a degree to economics and sociology, graduated from college. Like I said, I was a straight A student, honor roll, full right scholarship from Bill and Melinda Gates, um, where they paid for my entire bachelor's and my master's. So I went and got a job as a financial advisor. And at the time, I couldn't get any jobs, any interviews. I had my friend write my resume, and she is not a resume writer. She was like maybe a year older than me. Um, so she wrote my resume, you know, clearly, like, you know, like I said, I've done those mistakes. Like I, you know, I just figured, well, I must not be good enough or whatever it may be. So I ended up getting a job as a financial advisor, which was nowhere in my career dream or dream job or anything. Did the job, hated it. And then afterwards I realized, okay, I, I, so the scholarship only allows you to take a year off after you graduate. So my year ended and I'm like, all right, let me go back to for my master's. And I would decide to go into public health policy and administration. Went to grad school at the same time I was working as a university, managing business operations. I always love strategy, business, revenue. Like I enjoy doing that. Like that's where I thrive in um, and helping people. I, I feel like I'm that person. Sometimes it can be bad in like, you know, my personal life, but I always want to help out people. If you tell me a problem, like how can we help solve this? Like, let's look up something like who do I have in my network? Actually, I talked to somebody that can help you with this, maybe hire them. So I'm always finding like solutions to problems. And, you know, um, I really did well in that job, but I you know, was going into healthcare. So I switched into healthcare. I worked in a hospital setting. And then um, that's when I was able, I started seeing finally like the results of my work. I was able to finally land a job. I got a $30,000 salary increase in a whole new industry. I had really no experience in. And through there, um, I was handpicked by the CEO to lead a task force for special projects. Because even though I had been in a job for six to nine months at that point, I was delivering results that no other person was doing in the hospital. And they had 20 plus years of experience. So got the attention of the CEO. He asked me to lead the rest of the teams, help them assess like how can they implement some of the solutions that I did that got me the results. Um, and through there, I decided I wanted to go on the private side of healthcare. So. I applied to a new job, got another $30,000 salary increase, and then I was managing around a $50 million Medicaid health plan. Had no experience in it, but I knew how to find solutions and I was able to do it. And of course, throughout this whole time now, I've been managing my business. And how that really started is I got a $30,000 salary increase. I was actually featured in Business Insider. And now my friends are like, wait, what do you mean you got a $30,000 salary increase? How did you do that? Like, can I do that? 
And I was like, I don't know, let me help you. Let me, let's see if it works for you. And my friends were getting, you know, salary increases or were getting job offers. And I tried to test it out. Like, will this work across industries and levels of experience? What about for someone that's been 20 years of experience or 15 or 10? Because um, at the time, my friends, we both had like maybe two to three, maybe five years maximum in the workforce. So I wanted to see if it'll work for other individuals. And they got the results. They started getting job offers. And that's what prompted me to start my business about five years ago because of it. How many clients have you had? Based on the, the records from last year, I would say about 350 plus ish. Um, and it depends like dif different types of services. So it could be resume writing, interview coaching, start negotiation or career coaching. I never venture to guess my guess age, um, ages because <laughs> that can always go poorly, but you're still fairly young. So you've done a lot. Congratulations. Thank you. You're certainly going after this. And it seems like you found your place. The last question I'll ask is the same I asked to all of my guests. And with you, it's unique because you're in this business. So I'm curious to see what you might say. Yeah. When you reflect on your journey, your working journey so far, if you had one piece of career advice for the entire world to hear, what would that be? Start being proactive. Start, stop saying like, oh, this is where my career led me, or I just got the job offer. If you really want to go after those companies or marketing or Netflix or Hulu or Facebook, um, anybody can go in there. It's just all about strategy. And if you don't have a network, you can build a network. If you need certain qualifications, then start building that. Start taking a course. Um, you have a lot of control of your career, um, whether you know it or not. Identify what is it that you want to do and figure out the solution and route and how to get there. I know you'll have great success in the future as you've done so far. And it's it's great for my guests who come to the podcast, hopefully to not just learn about the, the real facts and truths behind a particular profession, but the stories and the, and the wisdom and advice people can share uh, as you've done today. So Claudia, it's a pleasure meeting you. Um, all the best for your future success. And thank you for, for joining the uh, podcast today. Well, thanks for having me, Rob. I really appreciate you having me on the show. When I edit my podcast, it gives me the opportunity to reflect on the conversation in a way that I can't do during the interview itself. And as I reflect on this episode with Claudia, the phrase that comes to mind is that success is contagious. If you read between the lines of what Claudia discussed, you're going to hear a lot about clarity of purpose, a personal mission, services tailored to a market that Claudia feels is the market she can best serve. I mentioned purpose though, and I did want to share one thing that came out of a conversation we had after the record button was, I guess, unpressed. And it was around what Claudia mentioned when she talked about the fact that, you know, women who earn economic freedom, allow for those households to be ones where, um, you know, the family can, can live and the children can grow up safely. The reason why that matters to Claudia, and I did get her permission to share this, is her beginnings were very different from what you heard about today, all of her successes. She lived for a while in a homeless shelter, had very difficult family relationships, and you know, all of this energy, all this purpose, all of these things she discussed, in my opinion, are a reflection of her unwillingness to accept that for others, certainly for herself and future generations. So again, 
Success is contagious. And I thank you, Claudia, for joining me uh, today. If you're interested in learning more about what Claudia does, maybe even would like her help, just go to claudiatmiller.com and the rest is easy. Next week will be my final episode from season one, a full season with a guest every week, 52 straight guests, in fact. And I managed, as it turns out with Claudia's help, to find an architect. And I'm smiling as I say that because I toyed with the idea of doing it. Claudia tried it and hated it. But I feel like it's one of those perfect jobs to end with because there's so much romance attached to it. And I'm sure there's a part of it that's just that. But I'm guessing we're going to learn a whole lot more and the real nitty gritty behind what it means to design living spaces and buildings and more. So come back next week to hear again our final season one episode. I hope you do. I appreciate you. And I thank you for spending your time uh, with Claudia and me today. Until next time, be good, be safe, be well, and goodbye.